Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 tonight. Again, we have gone through this uh, model prayer, sometimes called the Lord's Prayer, and um, we've gone through it as a whole, but uh, we're taking it um, phrase by phrase now. And we come to uh, verse 10, and prayer is about reigning. Now, not the kind of reigning we had last night, but the kind that a king does. So we're going to, uh, I, and I hope that uh, you see this prayer is building one part upon another as we go through. For instance, uh, when, uh, when we come to know God as our Father, our Father which art in heaven, uh, we found just how, uh, find out how wonderfully, uh, truly, truly wonderfully he is. Uh, and that creates a desire within us to see him glorified. And so we pray, hallowed be thy name. His word hallowed is, has to do with holiness. Holy is his thy name. And that then creates a hunger to see others come to know him. And so we pray, thy kingdom come. Now, to pray hallowed be thy name expresses a desire to see God glorified. But we also must know that he will never receive all glory due his name until his kingdom becomes a reality, both in us as individuals and in the world as a whole. So we're told to pray, thy kingdom come. Now, these three little words may be short in their length, but they contain a message that I think is truly immense. And understanding what each of these words means can help shed some light upon the power of Contained in this just three-word phrase here. For instance, thy. This word is a pronoun. Refers to the Father, which is in heaven. This kingdom we're talking about is not one of human origin. It's not a kingdom like we visualize a kingdom with castles and moats and knights in shining armor, ladies in waiting and so forth. This is a spiritual kingdom that belongs exclusively and totally to God. So thy is referring to the Father. Kingdom. This word is, uh, comes from a word that means royal power, kingship, dominion, or rule, or to reign. So to pray thy kingdom come is to pray for God's reign to come upon the earth. And then the word come, a little verb that uh, means suddenly, insistently, and quickly. as the idea of a sudden appearance, a new kingdom upon this earth that's under the total control of God Almighty. So to pray, thy kingdom come, is to pray for a sudden, absolute rule of God over the entire world. So real praying is about seeking God's rule in the, in the world. And I want to just look at three conclusions that come out of this understanding of a little phrase, thy kingdom come. And these three conclusions teach us the truth that prayer is about reigning. First of all, the petition is prophetic. 
It's clear when you read the Bible that God often promises that there will be a future kingdom. And it's going to be a kingdom of righteousness upon this earth. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking for our Father to bring his kingdom to pass on this earth. So we're asking him to fulfill his promises and the prophecies concerning uh, his earthly kingdom. Now we notice uh, in talking about prophecies, there are a few passages uh, that uh, speak to this. One is Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then uh, we go over to uh, Daniel uh, chapter 2, verse 44. It says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom, the kingdom uh, shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Then you go to the New Testament in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. It says, He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto the, him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he set upon the throne of his glory. So, just as surely as Jesus was born on this earth and he lived here and he died here, there is going to come a day when he's going to reign and rule in power, glory, and righteousness. And that future kingdom will be vastly different than any kingdom that's ever existed on this earth. All the earthly kingdoms are tainted by the effects of sin. There is evil at their core. If you read history, read about the kings that ruled over the various kingdoms of the world, uh, there is a great deal of sin involved in that. In fact, the world resides under the dominion of Satan even right now. Uh, all of creation means to be free from bondage. Romans 8.22 and all the world lies under the grip of sin. But there's a day coming when Jesus will rule this world. And that's a clear statement of the Bible. Revelation 11:15 says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, Satan we say, is the God of this world, and he blinds men to the truth of the gospel, but in that day he will be cast into the bottomless pit, bound in chains, and will be unable to hinder or tempt anyone, Amen. according to Revelation 20. So today, we talk about Israel, they live in blindness regarding their Messiah. 
And then they will bow down to Jesus and worship him as God. Today, creation groans to be delivered from bondage. And then all the earth will be restored to what it was before sin tainted the world with its, uh, with its terrible touch. Now, today, believers, Christians, exist in weakness and humiliation. There are tares and wheat that grow up together, and uh, there are enemies from without and from within, but then we will be glorified, forever delivered from sin, perfected in his image. What a day that's going to be. Uh, Jesus and Jesus alone can do these things, and someday he will. He will bind the devil. He will restore creation. He will glorify his bride and claim dominion over all the earth. And that is the essence of the coming kingdom. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're echoing the groans of nature, voicing the great songs heard around God's throne in glory. And we read about those in Revelation 4 and 5. And we're sharing the same desire that resides within the heart of God. We're praying that his righteous, absolute rule might be realized upon this earth. And that's a noble prayer. That is one that will be answered. Someone has said, For the world which hath known the sweat and blood, toil and tears of man, the man of sorrows will soon taste the glory of his reign. Now by the way, when that time comes for Jesus to establish his earthly kingdom, it will not be something that just comes in increments. When he comes, it'll be sudden, it'll be insistent, just as that word come, as we said, implies. And if we uh, study the book of Revelation, which we're doing on Sunday afternoons, but uh, we'll see that in Revelation 19. His, he, his is a kingdom that will be established instantly by his own power. He's going to rule his kingdom with an iron fist. And it will be time of peace, prosperity, and holiness such as the world has ever known. Never known. Now, so we pray thy kingdom come. We're joining voices with John in the, in the book of Revelation when he said, even so, come Lord Jesus. So this has to do with, uh, it's a prophetic uh, phrase. But then it also can be a very personal phrase. Petition is personal. Just as surely as we're praying for the appearance of the future kingdom, we're also praying that his kingdom to be realized in our own lives. Now, remember, the kingdom, the kingdom means royal power, kin, kingship, dominion, or rule, or to reign. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying for God to rule and reign in our personal lives as well. Uh, this is a petition that expresses a desire for God to be our Lord, sovereign, and king. Uh, it's ultimately a prayer that God will be enthroned within our hearts. And we should seek to see that we are dethroned and Satan is dethroned and that God is alone enthroned in our hearts. The only way this can come to pass is if a person is saved. 
You cannot be under the rule and, and, uh, uh, of Him until you know Him as your Savior. But you cannot have Him as your Savior unless you're willing to also have Him as Lord. And uh, He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And His Lordship cannot be divorced from His role as a Savior. Jesus is not a buffet. You can't just pick and choose what you want, like we do at the buffet. You know, you've got, when you get him, you get the whole package. And that having been said, let me say this, God's kingdom in your life and mine is not a democracy. God doesn't come along and ask for your obedience. He comes into our lives and says, the church is not a democracy either. Uh, in a sense, we, we use some of those principles as a congregation. But uh, uh, it, we're really not under the control of a preacher or the deacons, but we should be under control of the authority of God alone. A lot of people don't like that concept. They want Jesus to be molded into their image. But if you want the Jesus of the Bible, you have to capitulate all to him and his kingship. So this is a desire, this desire is a mark of real, genuine, saved believers. Uh, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, while the literal reign of Jesus is a future event, it's true that those who are saved by his grace are citizens of his kingdom now. Amen. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation or our life, manner of life, our way of living, our, our lives are, are in heaven. Our conversation is heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you become a citizen of the kingdom, you are expected to keep the laws of the king. Uh, we are to pray that his kingdom be lived out through our lives for his glory. And that everything having to do with our lives will be brought under his dominion. Anything less would be rebellion. When there's no desire to see Jesus enthroned as Lord and King. It's an evidence that a person's probably not saved. You live like you want to without regard to his will, then you probably aren't saved. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking for our lives to be brought under the dominion of God's sovereign rule. And then thirdly, the petition is practical. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we're expressing a desire to see his work, his word, and his will advanced in the world today. Listen, we might as well face the fact we will not make this world any better through our own human efforts. In other words, we're not able to usher in his kingdom ourselves. He will bring it when he comes and he will establish it by his power and his power alone. And yet we can have a part in seeing the Lord's kingdom that it's spread abroad in the world around us. How do we do that? Well, several ways. 
First of all, there's through prayer. We come together and pray. We're praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in the world around us. I trust that's in your personal prayer life as well as in our corporate prayer life. We're, we're not just praying for a uh, shopping list of wants and desires. We're praying that God's will would be done in our lives and the lives of those we're praying for. We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. Uh, then also through submission. We're to yield our lives to him so that he can live through us. And as we do, he demonstrates his love and grace and saving power to the lost and dying world. He uses us to bring others to Christ. Galatians 2.20. Reference should be ringing a bell. Better be working on that, right? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Right, that's the memory verse we need to be working on this week. In Ephesians 2.10 is familiar also. We know Ephesians 2.8 and 9 but then verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power uh, may be of God and not of us. So we, uh, we are having a part in seeing the Lord's kingdom come through prayer, through our own personal submission, and then through outreach. We are properly burdened that there's a lost and dying world. We can go to that world. We can give them the gospel message. And our desire will be to see people saved. And we'll do what we can in our power to bring that to pass. Now we can't grab them by the collar and say, you need to be saved. We can't do that. Because we don't do the saving anyway. But we can give them the message. We can give them our testimony. We can give them the word of God. And God then, the Spirit of God, will use that to bring people to Christ. The world might be in darkness this evening, but there's light in Christians, and that light must be shared with the world. We're commanded to do that. Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the, the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And we have the resources that we need. Acts 1.8 Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that's a verse that's talking of, about a specific group of people 
at that time, but its application can be made to us as well. Romans 1.16, what Paul said was, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we need God's help, and may we be involved in his kingdom work in this world. But ask ourselves a question, what are we doing as individuals and as a church to spread God's kingdom in the world? And what can we do to be more effective for his glory? So thy kingdom come. Our Lord puts a lot of meaning in those three words, doesn't he? And with these things in mind this evening, we ought to ask ourselves, where do I stand in relationship to the kingdom of God? Am I praying for his kingdom to come in this world? Are we doing all that we can to see the message of the king, the gospel, shared with the lost? Are we yielding our lives to his lordship in our own life as we should be? Is he really our king? Now, when we talk about this petition being prophetic, there is a future kingdom. That Jesus will come. You know, something else has to happen first. He's going to come in the clouds. So I don't know what kind of clouds will be. Pretty clouds like we have tonight or ominous clouds like we had last night. But he's coming. And uh, he's going to take us... To be with him, there's going to be a terrible tribulation time here on this earth. And then he's going to come again. And we're going to come with him. And he's going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for these three very powerful words filled with a lot of meaning. Help us to meditate upon this tonight as we think about how you were teaching your disciples about prayer. And we ask you to teach us as well. We pray, Lord, thy kingdom would come. That you will be coming soon, even as John said, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.